everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour off-season edition. Uh, the first of what we hope are many uh, with exciting news from the the life of the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm your host, LG Harrell, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Connor. Connor, that Washington game felt long ago. What felt even longer ago is the Super Bowl, which happened three years and like, or almost three years ago. We're about a couple weeks away from from the February 4th date. But with what's going on with the Philadelphia Eagles, I can't believe we won a Super Bowl. It feels like it's been ages ago and not just three years ago. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. And and you say, I hope we hope that this is uh, the first of many offseason episodes. And I really do think it will be because this is like a soap opera watching the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles right now and all the different reports coming out from all the different like it's not even just Philadelphia media anymore. I, I, I put on on our Twitter last night about the whole cra- um, Ted Cracks report with SI and how he says they're just doing their due diligence, but they're waiting for the Chiefs to be out so they can get Mike Kafka. Uh, and then there's like there were all these different rumors going around now. Carson Wentz is the center of another scathing report by Jeff McClain about you know he's uncoachable. He doesn't take account. He doesn't take accountability. He does all this stuff. And and then you look back at the Brandon Graham statement, and he said that the game the get last game where he got pulled, and then he was not going to be the starter anymore he stepped up in front of the whole team and said he took responsibility for his action so what do you believe a philadelphia media report who has literally put down the eagles year over year over year for decades or brandon graham a well-respected philadelphia eagle who will go down as as a famous philadelphia eagle like at this point it's getting harder and harder to trust the media and to trust who is telling you the truth and who is saying the right things it really is. Um, I, I, I would trust probably trust BG, but also Brandon Graham seems like the type of, of teammate where even if Carson did not do that, and even if Carson – and I'm, I'm not saying that Carson's a bad teammate. Um, even if Carson has been an awful teammate and, and doesn't own up to his – Brandon Graham seems like the type of teammate who would, who would be like, yeah, he did it. Um, he, he's not going to throw any of his teammates under the bus. So – I mean, look, I, I get what you're saying. And I, again, I would trust BG over I would uh, over the media because he has like firsthand knowledge, in-house knowledge of what's going on. But yeah, it, it's 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 amazing how things have changed in a matter of a couple of years. And if you think about it, a day after the season, two days after the season, whenever it happened, um, when Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson had the press conference, the Zoom conference, there was no way I didn't think that that Doug was going to be fired. I thought, okay, Doug's coming back. Um, there'll, there'll be changes to the coaching staff. We knew Jim Schwartz wasn't coming back. Um, you know, so the, the so the defense was going to look a little different. Um, we had a feeling there would be some changes on the offensive side of the football in terms of the coaching staff. But fast forward a week later, and the first meeting that Doug and Doug and uh, owner Jeffrey Lurie had apparently went terribly wrong. So Jeff or Mr. Laurie said, look, come back. We'll have a second meeting and I want you to come back with different plans. And who knows if Doug came back with the same plans and if the reports are true that he wanted to promote, of all people, Press Taylor, the offensive coordinator, and wanted to to promote Matt Burke or bring Corey Unlin back to be the defensive coordinator. Like, we all wanted to see an outside change. So we wanted to see bring outside voices, not 
you know, of Rick Scangarella or Marty Morningway who are probably going to think the same as Doug. He wanted to bring somebody who could bring a different type of philosophy to the offense. But no, Doug wanted to do the same thing that did not work this year. So while it came out as a surprise that they fired Doug, I get it. But the one thing that you had mentioned and, and something that I think I, I've preached on my, you know, I've said time and time again was, if you're going to fire Doug, you should fire Howie too because Howie put the roster together. Howie has us in cap hell. Howie apparently, if, if the Howard Eskin report is true, Howie's the one that puts the game day roster together, which is which is mind-boggling to me. How you let a freaking GM who has who's, who's a nerd GM, who has zero idea, who's, who's played zero football in his life, put a 53-man roster together or a game day roster together, it, it blows my mind. It should not happen. I don't know why it happened. So there are a bunch of things that uh, that I, I don't understand. What does Howie Roseman have on Jeff Lurie that he still has a job, that he is going to be here for the fourth head coach, Andy Reid, Chip Kelly, Doug Peterson, and whoever they fire. Howie Roseman is still here. That should not happen. He should not have the opportunity to hire his third head coach. It makes zero sense to me. And I am, while, look, Doug was not good last year. Doug had a bad year. His play calling got stale. His play calling was very vanilla. Um, he got very predictable. If Doug was going to be fired, Howie needed to go too. You needed, a, as, as you said uh, before we came on, you needed a, a house cleaning. You needed to start fresh, bring in new ideas. We're going to have to suffer a year with, with the, the salary cap, probably getting rid of a bunch of guys that you may not want to um, and, and not having as good of a team next year. But if you do that in 2022, you have cap room. You go through this one year, which would be two years for fans, but for this new regime, you go through one year of just getting it right, getting the salary cap back under control, getting your bringing in a brand new coaching staff, to at least instill their system so that in 2022 you can make a run at the division again. But no, we're stuck with Howie freaking Roseman making all the calls and making the choices and picking the draft picks, and it's going to be more of the same regardless of who they hire as a head coach. Yeah, like like you said, I think like if you were going to fire – Doug, you just had to hit the restart button, and that that was the bottom line for me. If you wanted to fire Howie and just Howie and keep Dougie P around, that made sense to me. I w- I'd be in. You can color me intrigued if if mm-hmm. Jeffrey Laurie and and Doug Peterson sat down, and Doug Peterson said, "All right, I will sit in on the interviews with you, and we can hire external candidates for defensive coordinator. We have our internal candidate for offensive coordinator. There's no reason Deuce Staley continues to take the back seat in this process. I'm 100% on board with the hire there. Um, but, like, you could go outside to get some some help, some defensive coordinator. We need a new offensive line coordinator, you know, a new quarterbacks coach. I really think that Press Taylor is one of the reasons you see in the reports that they're saying Press Taylor is is one of those people who allows Carson Wentz to be the way he is and allows, if you believe it, allows the personality of Carson Wentz to blossom into the personality that we, that the media sees, but apparently the fans and the players almost never see. 
And that that's what that for me that it's so confusing that you, you get such mixed messages from the players and and the media. And to me, I think that kind of speaks to the culture that the team has. The team doesn't want if that stuff is true, doesn't want that stuff to get out, wants to keep it within the team and doesn't want to create the drama. You remember when that report came out last year and, and, and the rumor was that it was Alshon Jeffrey who, who was speaking out. Um, a lot of players kind of put that down and bashed that, and they tried to tried to sweep it under the rug. And and I think that that continues to be what we see from this team is that they just it was the way the culture was built. You keep it within, you deal with stuff within, and and just stuff continues to leak out. And whether that's leaking out or media just seeing things and then putting all these pieces together to create a, a fractured story, which is very much what we have now. A complete fractured media stories fractured team there's cracks all over the place and we can't deny that no matter whether the media reports are true or not the team is fractured from the top down whether that with Jeffrey Laurie Howie Roseman and it went all the way through Doug Peterson but I think that Doug Peterson sadly I agree that we need the external change and we need the change, but I think Doug Peterson had the culture built and the respect of the players because of coaches like Jim Schwartz and Jeff Stoutland and Deuce Staley. He had the, the majority of the team respecting him and he had the most control of the team than anyone above him. So as much well, as I do I agree with the Doug Peterson move, I think you had to pull the trigger on both and just full on clean house. I agree, and it, the, the crazy thing is the, the stalwarts of, of Doug Peterson's coaching staff were brought here by Chip Kelly. Deuce Staley was brought, well, Deuce was here from, from, from the Andy days, but Chip kept them on. Uh, Jeff Stoutland came with Chip. Um, the, um, the, the Dave Fipp, who, who hasn't been good the last couple of years, he came here with Chip. So, it, it, and besides... Um, Jim Schwartz, who, who seemed to have more pool and more power than, than Doug did in terms of picking players that he, he wanted, you know, he kind of, he had like a main, a main line to the defensive coordinator or excuse me, to the owner or to the, or to the general manager before he decided to retire. So it, it's just crazy that like Doug had zero say and they didn't trust Doug. He's a Super Bowl winning head coach. Yeah. Did they luck into it? Possibly, but still he won the Super Bowl. So you should still give him more, tr more trust. And it, it bothers me that Howie Roseman is pulling the, the strings of Jeff Lurie. If you watch the press conference Jeff Lurie had after the Eagles fi uh, fired or parted ways with Doug Peterson, he mumbled and stumbled his way through that press conference. It, it was not a pretty, pretty press, press conference at all. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, and, and it, it felt like Howie Roseman was feeding on lines. And that's exactly what he was saying. So I don't know what Howie has on Lori and I look, I get it. They're close friends and whatnot, but I don't know what Howie has to do in order to get fired. Because if he has a lifetime contract with the Philadelphia Eagles for as long as Jeffrey Laurie owns the team, we are screwed. We are never going to win another Super Bowl again. It, it, it's bad because Howie Roseman, hopefully uh, John Dorsey gets more say in the draft because that, but now we're seeing contradicting reports because a couple of weeks ago, we saw that the scouts won it. Howie to take uh, Justin Jefferson, but Justin or but Howie wanted to take uh, Jalen Rager. But now fast forward, it's Howie wanted to take Justin Jefferson, but they but the the the, the coaching staff or, or whatever didn't feel as though he fit into the offense.
that Jalen Rager fit in better because they they missed um, they missed on on Jefferson being able to play on the outside. Granted, you know, I, I actually thought Jefferson was only like the slot receiver, but he obviously proved that wrong. He had a hell of a year. Uh, should be offensive rookie of the year, even though they'll probably give it to a quarterback. Uh, give it to Justin Herbert, but it, it, it's it's just amazing that they they don't they don't know what they're doing right now and they're a week behind the boat um there's already been five pretty much five hires um we know we're going to talk about them later um and you didn't get the pick of the litter you started late you started behind the game and if you're right that the report coming the report coming out um that the eagles are kind of just doing their due diligence waiting for the chiefs um, to be eliminated or win this, or until after the Super Bowl, so they can possibly hire Mike Kafka. That's the wrong way to go. I don't know. Like, like they need to stop hiring yes men. They need to hire somebody that that is going. Like, look, we know what the team wants. The team wants Deuce to be the head coach. I would love Deuce to be the head coach, bringing a strong figure to to run the defense, bringing somebody that has a, a different philosophy than he has to help with the offense, so you can you can um, groom or put put those philosophies together and have an offense that's not predictable, that, that you're not running the same formations, the same zone read with Jalen Hurts, whoever your starting quarterback is going to be. Like, they need to do something that's going to ch- change for the better because obviously Carson pr- regressed the last couple of years. And in 2020, it was hard. He was terrible, The worst, obviously the worst quarterback in the NFL. But they have to bring in somebody that's able – if. If they, if they, that's who's going to be the starter, that, that could fix him. And my thing is, if in these interviews, and I'm sorry to, to, to make this a long way, in these interviews, if they're saying Carson's going to be our starter, can you work with him? You are cutting your um your head coach prospects in half. Maybe maybe just like the that report that Doug didn't want to didn't want Carson to be the starter, that he wanted to move forward Jalen. What if you know, um, somebody uh, say you you interviewed Arthur Smith. I know he got hired by the Falcons, but what if Arthur Smith rather have, would have rather have gone with Jalen? Like that's a good head coaching kind of. What if Robert Sala? I know he got hired by the the Jets. What if he wanted to go with J- like you are cu- cutting off these good prospects because you are telling them you're starting Carson no matter what. And Jeffrey Lurie is starting to become the Jerry Jerry Jones type, and that's not what we want. I mean, it's the best way to find your yes man. If you go that, into an and, interview and, and you is. say, I want Carson yeah. Wentz to play, can you play with him? And the first one that says, yes, there's my guy, you know? I mean, you could, you could think of it that way, but it's a terrible way to think of an interview process exactly. and the way that you're going to find your candidate. Um, and I mean, you know, you say that we're behind the behind the eight ball in the hiring well, process, we really are. but we're really not because I think the best, of the guys who can do the best for Philly are out there. I like like Eric Bieniemy. I like Eric Bieniemy. Josh McDaniels. So why, I'm so super question, skeptical question, uh, after his no. failed run my, last time. So my question for you, when it comes to Eric Bieniemy, is he has been interviewing for jobs what the last three years, two three years. Mm-hmm. Why hasn't he been hired by anybody else though? But like, look, I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I don't think he's a bad coach. But is like. Does, does he command the respect? Does Is the offense that he's running, is that just Andy Reid pretty much telling him, this is the plays I want you to call, call him? But, like, why hasn't he gotten hired by somebody else? Look, I'm, I'm a big B enemy fan myself. 
I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. And, like, what's taken him so long to to become a head coach? Is it because the Chiefs have been been successful and the rules that the NFL has is, like, you can't hire somebody until they're out of the playoffs and teams kind of want to get on that right away? Like, why hasn't the enemy gotten hired yet? No, I, I agree. There's, there must be something there that every time he gets interviewed, they that something's brought up or, or he like it, it's true. Like how much influence does Andy Reid have over that offense? Because we know Andy Reid probably doesn't influence the defense as much. But you know that Andy Reid has influence over that offense and working with Patrick Mahomes and all that stuff. So how much influence does he have versus how much influence does Eric Bieniemy have? Is a really big question that that I would have too. How much of that offensive scheme is Here's the here's the scheme from Andy Reid. You do something with it, Mr. Bienemy or whatever. I, I don't know how the processes work in in Kansas City, that's for sure. Um, but for me, I mean, I still think like like I get to playing the devil's advocate, but I mean, I think Eric Bienemy, like I think the thing that stood out about Robert Sala, for example, was he had his staff ready. And I think that that was one of the reasons that maybe Philadelphia didn't hire him because he had too much staff ready. Because apparently the report was Robert Saleh came with a full, his full regime ready to go. He had his offensive coordinator. He was obviously going to lead the defense. He had the coaches that he wanted in place. He was going to bring LaFleur from uh, from San Francisco. Um to be his offensive coordinator. That was a passing game coordinator in San Francisco. So maybe Philadelphia didn't like that for that reason, but I think I would have loved that. He has a GM. A whole staff. Exactly. He has a, he has a GM and an owner. I like somebody that's prepared, that knows what they want to do. So like, I don't want to, again, it makes no sense. You are cutting your head coaching candidates in half because you want to have say over who they hire. And that's not how it should work. No, absolutely not. And and I feel like when a guy like Eric Bienemy comes in or or um uh the Rams a defensive coordinator come in and they see the situation they're walking Staley. Yeah, Staley and they see the situation that they're walking into, they're they're just gonna be like, No, no and that's why that that's why I think that they're so so nose down about getting Mike Kafka because and and even cracks from SI said in his report that they want to remake the Doug Peterson situation. You know, like what happened with Doug Peterson the year we hired him? He wasn't being interviewed. He wasn't really being looked at. They want that no name that can bring relevancy to Philadelphia. And it, it worked. But how many times are you going to test that out before you run into constant look like Chip Kelly? He was in there was intrigue with him from a few different teams, but he wasn't fully getting the attention he deserved. And then we brought him up and he showed why he wasn't getting the attention he deserved. But maybe we need a guy who says, I want more ownership of the team. Because then you see the reports about Lincoln Riley. And Lincoln Riley knows Howie Roseman. And Lincoln Riley knew the situation. He understood the power structure in Philadelphia. And he wants more power. And that's why he's holding out. And rumor has it he wants the Dallas Cowboys job. Which, at the rate things are going, you never know. That could open up again in the next year or two. But the fact that some coaching candidates who are close to Howie or might be close to Doug Peterson know the power structure and the power, I won't even call it structure, the power struggle in Philadelphia, that's dangerous. That's dangerous, and I think that that's creating the fractures that we see because you're not drafting properly, you're not scouting properly. People aren't under. There's people going in one direction in the locker room, people going in another direction in the locker room or the head office. It 
it's a mess. It truly is a mess. And I think we are a number of years away from seeing it being cleaned up. But I think it starts with Howie Roseman being be being taken out. And and I think the best opportunity for Jeff Laurie was this offseason. We're in cap hell. Do I let him get us out of cap hell because the same spot, the same guy who put us there? Or better yet, do I fire him? Do I completely clean house, get a new GM, let him pick his coaching staff? Because if you look at the way it is now, there's only two head coaching jobs left open and a fair amount of decent candidates out there to go after and to interview. You can really take your time with it. So you can find your executive that you want to step yeah, in. And then you can find your head coach you want to take in. You can take your time. And you know what? You don't even have to get rid of Howie. You can do the John Elway treatment. Give the promotion this cool sounding job where really you're just promotion somewhere in the back the office doing nothing, getting paid exactly, getting paid to pretty much do nothing, and then you bring in your GM and you put them your GM and your player personnel executive, pull pull that type of so, treatment. Yeah, and and now and you mentioned how we're down to two two openings. I don't know which situation's worse. <laughs> is it the Eagles situation or is it the Texans who you know Deshaun Watson wants out? Um, he wanted, uh, apparently ownership told him that he would have, uh, they would ask his opinion on, on who, um, they should interview and, and they would do it. He, he wanted them to interview Eric, the enemy the first time around they didn't. And then they finally got around to, to getting a request. Then they wanted him to interview, um, or then, then he wanted them to interview Robert Sala and they didn't even, um, I guess we all, everybody kind of knew he was going to go to the jets anyway, but still, yeah, like we're in that. I don't know which situation's worse. Um, but when you look at the candidates for the Eagles, they've interviewed a lot. And again, this could be them doing their due, due, uh, due diligence. Um, they interviewed Robert Sala. He took the judge job. They interviewed Arthur Smith. He took the judge job. Um, I'm pretty sure they would. I think they want to interview Brian Dable, but he's he's probably going to go to the Chargers. Um, you know, the, 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 the names, some of the, the names of, when I heard the Josh McDaniels and he's putting a staff together, if he gets the job, I'm, I, I don't know how to feel about that because we saw what he did in Denver. Um, and, and yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it, it's, I didn't think that three years after the Super Bowl we were going to be in this position looking for a new head coach. I never thought it would happen. Uh, I thought that they would, you know, give after this year, uh, missing the playoffs for the first time in three or four years that they would give Doug another chance, but maybe Doug just won it out. Um, well, judging by all- some of the reports or like when we were eliminated, it kind of sounded like he wanted, it almost sounds like he botched the interviews with Jeff Lloyd to get out. Yeah. To be, to be he, quite frank. My, now my question is, did the organization and, and they'll never admit it. And I don't know if we'll ever find out today, ask him to tank the last game of the year for the higher pick, or did he do that? on his own because the, as bad as the Washington or even though the, the Washington football team won, if the Eagles actually tried that game, they could have easily won the game. Washington football team was not good on, on that, on that Sunday night. And the Eagles for, for didn't, didn't kick two field goals, which one would have tied the other or both would have tied if they kicked them in, in those t- moments. But if they would have kicked both, you know, they could have, could have had the like, could have had the lead. And then you, you, I know Jalen wasn't playing well. He had two rushing touchdowns, but he was seven of twenty passing. He you put it puts in Nate Sudfeld. His first pass gets picked off. It's like a long punt. Like, did Doug do that on purpose, or did ownership ask him? Doug played a long, thinking, "All right, I'm safe. 
I'll be here. I hope, I'll, I'll, you know, we'll get the sixth pick. I'll be able to turn this around. And then they go and, and just fire him unceremoniously. So, like, that's my question. What happened that last game? Why my did issue, it happen? My issue with the whole tanking scenario is Doug Peterson. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. They were already in the situation to lose. They were already down all these bodies. They already sad a bunch of these guys who were playing yeah, through injuries all year. Ten starters. So, a coach can put you in the position to lose, but one thing we've learned about Philadelphia is they don't lose. These players do not lose on purpose. These players yeah. play with a lot of heart. They play. It's the way the culture was built. Next man up, next man up. Some of those DBs did an incredible job. There's a lot of hope for them in the future. As much as Michael Jaquette got eaten alive against Dallas, there's potential for him in the future. There's a couple that got futures contracts. There's like... The next man up mentality, I hope that that stays in Philadelphia. And I hope that that's just ingrained in Philadelphia's the mentality of a guy who comes to play for any Philadelphia team. Because that's what we need to really turn this thing around quicker um, with whatever coach, with whatever general managers in place. So first of all, I want to start off with you can't make players tank. And mm-hmm. second of all, people are like, oh, he put Nate Sudfeld in in that situation. First of all. It was very suspicious, the timing of putting Nate Sudfeld in. I completely agree with that, and I concur with that. But if you watch the pressers all week, he did say Sudfeld will play at some point. His reasoning for putting Sudfeld in when he did and where he did is suspect. It's weird. It was wrong. But he said all week that he was going to put Sudfeld in. And he probably should have started him in the second half. Because then nobody would have said anything. Agreed. Um, that would have made and sense. So he put on the start the fourth quarter. Wasn't that the middle of a drive, though? Like, he, like Jalen Hurts was on the field, the quarter ended, and then boom, they brought in Sudfeld. My thing is, look, the Pittsburgh Steelers tanked their game against Cleveland in the 1 o'clock window, or forfeit whenever they played, the 4 o'clock window. <clears throat> if this game, if the Eagles-Washington game was at the, in the 1 o'clock hour, nobody would have said anything. Just because it was the Sunday night game and it was the only game on TV and everybody was watching and the Giants were watching, hoping that the Eagles won so they can get to the playoffs. Also, the Giants whining about that. They need to shut the hell up. If you win one more game, if Evan Ingram doesn't drop that pass against the Eagles, you win that game, you make the playoffs. But no, y'all lost. That's a, that's a rookie games. coach just speaking <clears throat> out. And, and it's like also when you look at them, that I think they won, they lost. They scored single-digit points in four or five of their games all season. Like you got, but don't blame us for not you know. Yeah, don't there. blame a four eleven and one team for you guys missing the playoffs. If you win one more game, you make the playoffs, and you're not worried about the Philadelphia Eagles and what they do on Sunday night and how they want to um, position their franchise going forward. So, all the Giants fans, because I have I have, a, I have a, one of my close friends is a Giants fan. And he texted me pissed off, and I was like, dude. I knew that the, I, he's like, then he goes, if Dallas would have won, I was like, yeah, right. If Dallas would have won, we would have made it more evident that we were tanking. We'd much rather um, anybody but Dallas make the playoffs. So, but yeah, it, it was, it was weird. It, it was like, look, don't, don't defend, don't depend on somebody else if, if you want to make the playoffs. But yeah, everything that happened that game, it was, again, if you, if you start Sudfeld in the second half, nobody says anything. But the fact that you started him in the middle of a drive because it was the start of the fourth quarter, you could have kept Jalen Hurts in the game. Yes, Jalen Hurts was not playing well. I've said it time and time again. But if you keep Jalen Hurts in the game, if you actually tried to win that game, and again, 10 starters being out, 
um, on Friday, the Friday before, and that Eagles never do that. Um, you 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 win that game. The defense was playing hard for Jim Schwartz because it was his last uh, game as the Eagles defensive coordinator. But yeah, the way that everything went, the way the, the way the, the game went, the Eagles, if they tried, if they really wanted to win the game, they could have and kept Washington out the playoffs. But they were tanking. They were looking for the sixth pick. Because if you look at recent drafts, if, if you look at who was picked sixth and who was picked ninth, there are differences. You can get a better player at sixth depending on who's picking for you. So we'll, we'll see how badly how it screws it up again this year. But yeah, they did it purposely. It's just that because it was a night game, everybody in the world was watching, or the NFL and the, world the was watching. And the timing of, of the, the poll yeah. was just too suspect. And not, and not kicking a field goal on fourth and goal when you're inside the 10. Um, and, and Jalen Hurts actually had an open receiver, too. And I, I'm not saying Jalen kind of short threw it on purpose because he was being rushed, but still. Like, it was a good play call, and, just, uh, and they probably could have scored a touchdown there. And, and if they scored a touchdown there, they probably win because Washington wasn't doing anything. Uh, with Alex Smith, Alex Smith back there at quarterback. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, the the having pick six and having that that position in every round going forward is big. You you want the mm-hmm. top, you want to be in the top ten. If you're if you're not in the playoffs, go for that draft order. I agree. I completely agree. I was one of the people when I when I was watching the game. I was saying on on the Kelly Greenow Twitter that we shouldn't lose. You shouldn't play to lose. And I don't think that any of the players were playing to lose. But like I said, and it's the same situation for the New York Jets, you can put a team or players in the worst situation, like the man-to-man all-out blitz that Greg Williams put the Jets through in that (laughs) game against the Raiders. You can put the players in the worst, most suspect position to tank and to lose. But you can't make the players tank and you can't make the players lose and the Jets aren't that the hard way because they went off and won, what, two games, three games. And mm-hmm. and Jacksonville only won one game. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, you can try and tank, but you have, if you have some of the right people with the right mentality in place, you're not going to tank and they're not going to lose on purpose. It just won't happen. Um, but having that number six pick is vitally important. But one of the biggest things, and when we get into some mock drafts and get into our, our draft shows, um, is... We just got to go best player available. There's needs everywhere. It's like people are sitting there and they're like, so first of all, some people are mocking like Zach Wilson to, to Philadelphia. First of all, we're not going to go to a quarterback. Um, if we the do, situation oh in Philadelphia is bad enough. Carson Wentz, I don't foresee a trade this season, this offseason, because of the way that Jeffrey Lawyer and Howie Roseman see him. There's a lot. If we move him, there's a ton of dead cap for the next two seasons, nonetheless. Um, so you might as well keep him for one more year and make the dead cap a lot less and give him a fair shot to win his job back with a new coach. Um, and Jalen Hurts is there. After what you saw from Jalen Hurts, why would you go quarterback? Like, blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Like, if the linebacker is the best player available, if the CB is the best player available, if the wide receiver is the best player available, you take the best player available. The needs Devontae are bountiful. Smith. Devontae Smith, even though I, I mean, I'm, I'm starting to get a feeling that Devontae could go number three to Miami just to pair him back with Tua. But yeah, Devontae and Smith, listen, Jamar I Chase, love, Patrick Sertan. I love three. Devontae Smith, but I would love Jamar Chase too. I think Jamar Chase fits the mold of what we need in a Philly receiver. But don't get me wrong, Devontae Smith is a talented man, a really good man. But I'm not, that's not to say that I don't think that, that 
we don't have a Devontae Smith, but we have like a discount Devontae Smith with Jalen Rager, who with the right <laughs> person, you can probably turn him into a really, really good Devon, outside and slot guy. The only difference is Devontae Smith is a legit number one receiver, along with Jamar Chase. But like I said, Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, Patrick Sertan, whichever one of them is there at six, you take. I'm actually on board with with Micah Parsons as well. Uh, it's not going to happen. But, I mean, well, it's tough to say. I mean, if, if Howie's still pulling the strings, probably not because he's still going to be thinking of Jim Schwartz and, oh, no, we don't need a linebacker. But, I mean, it depends on what they end up deciding to do. But you've built the team to remain a 4-3 scheme. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean you can't get a linebacker in place to support the 4-3 scheme. I know. I, I But, again... I, I want so we, we saw it yeah we saw it with the 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 um the Packers and, and the Rams the number one offense against the number one defense it used to be that defense wins championships it's offense now so I'm going with if 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 Smith if any combination of like Smith and Sertan or Chase and Sertan Smith and Parsons uh, Chase and Parsons whatever I'm gonna take the offensive guy over the def- defensive guy every day. A, it helps your quarterback out, and B, you have to score points in the league. The Eagles did not score 30 points once this year. Once. And you know what? I actually and it was the, I, and this was the highest scoring year in league history, and the Eagles couldn't score 30 points. I actually agree, but disagree to a point because we saw how vitally, vitally important it is to get that support on Slay's other side. How I get that too. Also, the Eagles important. won because like the Eagles you won, won the you, Super Bowl by giving up the most like. The Eagles won the Super Bowl by scoring 41 points. Yeah, Brandon Graham made a huge play at the end. I I, I get it. It, it. it was it was it was a defense like a, a play that they needed. But you you're still gonna win the, the the Chiefs won the Super Bowl because they were they they put a bunch of points. It, it's a scoring lead now. They're they're making all the rules to help the offense. You go and and put your offense in the best position to score points because you're gonna have to outscore teams to win in the league. And, and I completely agree with that. And and I mean, it's tough to say what direction they go, but I think it's often understated the importance of good having multiple shut down cornerbacks who can for the like, look at the L.A. Rams, for example. They have Jalen Ramsey and then they had reliable CB2s and, and nickel CBs in their in their package. And of course, it didn't work last night. It's Green Bay, of course, it's not going to work with it. Most most people against Green Bay and in 30 degree weather. But at the end of the day, I think it's vitally important if you're talking about an, an, an offense first league, if the right player isn't there, you don't go. I don't personally agree with going with a linebacker. I think a CB has more of that impact play on a game to influence the offense, the other team's offense getting points. I think that a CB is more important than a linebacker. In any defensive scheme, personally. Obviously, when we look at it now, we're sitting there and we're like, well, we need some linebackers really bad. And you know what? I get that and I understand that. But look at how much Darius Slay helped us. If we don't have Darius Slay this year, can you imagine the points that would have been put up on us in that final backstretch <coughs> by DeAndre Hopkins, Amari Cooper, uh, Michael Thomas, that gauntlet that Darius Slay ran where he missed a game because he got hurt. We <laughs> he would have lost games good against... by, we lo- we're he lost almost... by like three scores, four scores. Oh, I mean, we still lost the games. I mean, losing by one, losing by four, it does, or losing by four scores, it really doesn't matter. Because like he had that stretch, because we, we remember we talked about it. Devontae Adams abused him. Um, 
who else was part of that stretch? Uh, that that I don't remember. Like he he, he had a bad, the uh, DK Metcalf abused him. So look, it helped. And also, like I said, Sertan is part of my three. If you if you draft Patrick Sertan, I'm happy too because if you compare Sertan and Slay for a couple of years, let Slay be the or let Sertan be the number two corner to learn, and then when Slay gets out of here, Sertan becomes your number one. I'm happy with that because I like Patrick Sertan. He's legit. And it'll keep him away from Dallas, too, because Dallas, I think, would take him at number 10 um, if he was there. Because well, if, their, if, their need is, is far more than ours at, at cornerback. Yeah, <laughs> that, so like, that is if, for if sure. De- if Devontae Smith goes to Miami and Jamar Chase goes to, to Cincinnati or something like or Atlanta or something like that, which if Atlanta took Jamar Chase with the receivers they have, that's crazy. But I'm just saying, I'm, I'm projecting, like, but if, if they're gone and if it was between Parsons and Sertan, I'm taking Sertan every time. I'd much rather have a, a, a legit if you can fit, if you can, your secondary can be built up if your secondary can be good because you know you're going up against Cooper and Gallup and C.D. Lamb with Dallas and Terry uh, McLaurin and, and and you saw the the gauntlet of receivers that the Eagles faced this year if you can build up that secondary that'll help your front front seven because then you know. They, they, if they can't get to the quarterback every time, while the Eagles were still top three, top four in the league in sacks, it'll still like you're 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 gonna force the quarterback to maybe pump or or take an extra second that he doesn't want to take to throw the football to allow the front four or front seven to get to get them and get some more sacks. Absolutely, and I mean, how different is this defense? defense going to look like i mean it was a 4-3 scheme with clear clear focus on the front four and pressure mm-hmm. from the front four and the front four doing everything but how different is this offense going to look you can do 4-3 schemes still with far less you know push on the front four so i'm interested to see what happens and i'm interested to see what happens when you allow a cb to play the way they're most comfortable playing yep. if they're, if they're out there exactly if they're out there on an island they're going to be like Ronald Derby. He did a really good job this year. Yes, he had his games. We know he's going to have his games, but he did way better than he ever did in Philadelphia. Rasul Douglas, way better than when he was in Philadelphia. And Sidney Jones showed that, you know, that potential in a lot of games as well. And that's because they went where they were able to play the way they wanted to play and how they choose to play. And yes, every CB is going to get burnt playing the style that they want to play once in a while but maybe not as often as what they did in Philadelphia, which is true. They definitely all did not get burnt as bad as when they were in Philadelphia. So I'm interested to see what happens at, at the def- on the defensive side of the ball for us. But it goes without saying as we dig into these uh, uh, draft shows that, that there's a ton, a ton of needs, and there is next to zero salary cap to go around to address these needs. This is finally an opportunity where the whole – where he can't – where Doug P – or um, – Howie Roseman can't go out and get these these old veterans and, and the guys to bring back. He doesn't have the money. So he actually has to build through youth and futures contracts and, and building build from the ground up without bringing back veterans yeah, or bringing so, in veterans. Yeah, they definitely have to hit on their draft picks. But the one thing about the salary cap, is, I mean, because I follow, I follow Joe Banner on Twitter, and he kind of, I'm not, not verbatim, but he said that, the, even if you're over the cap, it's, there's easy ways to, to circumvent that and, and get under. And we saw it start already when the Eagles restructured um, Alshon Jeffrey and Malik Jackson's contracts, and they're both 
you know, going to be June 1st cuts and it's going to save like 23 million or something like that. Uh, I forget what the exact number is. So I think they'll be, they'll be able to get under, obviously you're going to have to afford your draft picks and you're going to have to bring in some guys, you know, free agent, free agent wise, it won't be able to be the big names, but I think that they will be fine in those terms. But, but I, I think 2022, again, as I mentioned before, is going to be the year in which they're going to have money to spend and they're going to have to spend it wisely and try to, you know, build up whatever positions of need that we're going to have. And, and 2021 is going to be the – it's 2021, we have to realize as Eagles fans, is going to be a down year. Regardless of who we bring in, it's going to be a struggle. It, it, you know, and they have to – we have to, as fans, be patient and, and fight through it with the team um, because it's, it's not going to be a, a quick tur- – a one-year turnaround. It's going to be a two-, three-year turnaround for this Eagles team. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. The quicker we accept that, the better. And the quicker you just discount these reports that are coming out, bashing the roster or the, or the players or, or Roseman, the quicker you can just accept, let's see some Eagles football. Let's see what transpires. Let's see who we hire. Let's give, because the way all these reports are coming out, it's just giving, it's just burying Wentz further with Philadelphia fans. It's just burying Wentz further in I Philadelphia altogether. I still want Wentz to be the starter. And and like I you know me, I, I talk a lot of fantasy football and people are all hyped about Jalen Hurts. I was like, if you think for two seconds that Carson Wentz is not going to be afforded the same, if not a better opportunity to win back his job in twenty twenty one, you clearly net did well, not watch a Philadelphia Eagles game this season. Because I he will one hundred be he will one hundred percent be afforded that opportunity. I also I also think that depends on who the coach is. Granted, they kind of, as I mentioned before, if, if the main question is, or we want Carson to be our quarterback in 2021, can you fix him? That's different. But for instance, and I'm and you had already said, you kind of touched upon him, him not taking the job. But if Lincoln Riley were to take the job, were to get hired, which I'm not saying he is, but if he were, I mean, he worked with Jalen Hurts. We know what he can do with Jalen Hurts. I think that that if he gets the job, I think that you know he made it aware made it known to Howie and Jeff Lurie that look I like Jalen and Jalen's going to be given as much of an opportunity as Wentz to start like Wentz isn't going to be just handed the number one job so obviously things are going to play out um, and it depends on who who the head coach is but I mean I still do think there will be a quarterback competition come camp and I agree with it. That's what I mean. Like, I think he should be afforded the opportunity. I think the better way for Jeff Laurie and Howie Roseman to word it in their interviews is we're paying Carson Wentz $35 million next year. He is in your quarterback room and he is battling for that position, whether you like it or not. I think it has to be worded as we can't move him yet. We can't move him till next offseason. We need to see what we have in him. He's starting a brand new average $32 million a year dollar contract. He's in that room. He's battling for that position, and he should be afforded the same opportunity as Jalen Hurts. And at the end of the day, someone actually prorated his uh, the 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 uh, Jalen Hurts on a 16 games like season. His stats are not that eye popping. When you look at it, he throws a lot. He threw he would throw a lot less picks, but he he's not that much better. He's not, like everyone thinks he's that much of a better option. His pass completion percentage is on par, if not worse, than Carson Wentz. Like, he, he, you know, the mobility factor is a huge thing. It's a massive thing, and I get that. But Carson Wentz, we have to remember, is mobile too. He just can't run 
20 miles per hour. He's more of the, you know, the 15 mile per hour runner. But I think that at the end of the day, it's a little, I mean, in this league, we all look at a mobile quarterback and we all drool because that's what you want. You want that mobile quarterback. You want that quarterback who can open up the run game, who you can give him a list of RPO plays and he can do what he wants with it. And he can make something happen with the run, the pass or the option. And you know what? I completely agree. And I concur. And I think that both need to be afforded the, the same opportunity, but I think that, that Jeff and, and Howie are wording it completely wrong. They have to word it as he's not the guaranteed starter, but he is a guy that we're paying the most money and that we cannot get rid of this off season. So Please make him a part of your plan. See what you can do with him and afford him the same, if not a smidge better opportunity to win that job. If he makes a couple of mistakes, those couple of mistakes are less important than Jalen Hurts making a couple of mistakes is the way I think it should be worded and structured to these head coaching candidates. All I know is that there better be preseason games this year because the Eagles will sorely need it. Not only learning a new mm-hmm. system, but the quarterbacks need to have a battle. All right, so before we get to who we think like our predictions on, on the head coach for the Eagles. Let's quickly touch on kind of some of the, the, the hirings that have happened. Arthur Smith is the new head coach in Atlanta. Robert Salad, a new head coach with the Jets. Urban Meyer, the new head coach for Jacksonville. And I think that, I think that's, that's, a, that was a crazy hiring pairing him with just, um, with Trevor Lawrence w- will be interesting. Um, excuse me. That's three. Uh, Brian Dable is the favorite in with the Chargers, and Dan Campbell is the favorite, who's the who's a coach with the Saints, is the favorite with the Detroit Lions, which leaves the Eagles and Texans as the only two opening. Uh, what's your what's the biggest takeaway from one of those hirings, kind of, and and or or one that you didn't foresee happening, but we're and we're surprised when when it came out that they were being hired by that particular team. Um, Arthur Smith, for me, I did not know was even looking to to move out or, or move up um, out of the position he's in. I don't love the hiring. I'm actually glad we didn't go with Arthur Smith. I know that he's got that. He turned around Chris. Ryan Tannehill. He, he did turn around Ryan Tannehill. But at the same time, you have to think about how much of that's on a head coach versus just the offensive corner. We talk about Eric B. Enemy. How much yeah, of Mahomes is on the enemy? Rabel is a defensive guy. So I think Arthur Smith has more say or more say on the offensive side of the ball just like with, with the eagle like doug peterson is an offensive guy he had the offense and um and, and jim schwartz had the defense in tennessee vrabel's a defensive guy so vrabel is going to have more say over the defense and he probably allows his offensive guys to have say on the offense and then i think to the same point it's because we've seen it multiple times now how much is it just getting out of that miami situation pre um the new coach that's there now brian flores pre flores everyone was trying to jump ship and everyone was trying to get out so how much is it on ryan Tannehill having the talent and getting out of a shitty situation um but for me i don't think especially that situation that situation in atlanta is a bad situation i i don't think it's a great situation to be in that defense needs to be built from pretty much the bottom up that offense is in an okay position, but not a great position. The offensive line is not great. Um, the the receiving weapons are stellar. The the backfield is pretty desolate now because they're in a negative cap situation as well. And they have uh, Ido Smith and and Kadri Olson coming out of that backfield. Um, I don't I don't love Arthur Smith. I just don't love him, uh, Arthur Smith at all. 
Um, I'm kind of glad we passed on him. Uh, Robert Sala, I love that he came with a vision. He came with a plan. He came with a staff. Uh, I, I wish that we had a more heavily considered Robert Sala. I think that's a great hire by former Eagle Joe Douglas. I think that was a great decision by Joe Douglas to do that. And I think Joe Douglas is starting to put his stamp on on the New York Jets, which is really good on him, good for him. And now he's got his pick of, do I go forward with Sam Darnold? And I'm sure Salah or, or LaFleur will have a lot of say in what goes on there at the number two pick. Um, but is it, do you go Penny Sewell or do you go... Do you believe in Darnell enough to go Sewell, or do you want to test your luck with one of these other quarterbacks that are coming out, like Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields? You have your pick of the litter at number two. Um, and uh, I think one of my favorite hirings is Brian Dable. I really love Brian Dable. I love what has happened in, in Buffalo. The complete turnaround, the build from the ground up. It's been nothing short of impressive, and Josh Allen fixing his game and his accuracy going way up and stuff is it, it's so impressive so impressive. the, I, the impact I, the, the impact of stuff on now? digs can't be under uh stated that's true too so can i ask you a question how does so you give brian dable uh credit for turning josh allen around but why don't you give arthur smith credit for for turning Tannehill or Tannehill around when they're kind of in the same position sean mcdermott runs the defense he lets dable run the offense and it's kind of the same situation in, in Tennessee. I, I feel like now, look, I, I think Dable's a better candidate than than Arthur Smith. I would have loved Brian Dable here. Um, so he, like, what he's going to do with Justin Herbert, I can only imagine. Uh, Justin Herbert, I can only imagine. But like, why why are they there? Your thoughts for Dable, but not for Arthur Smith? I think the thing for me was, I guess I'm looking at it more from Josh Allen came in as a rookie, so the impact is probably a bit more on the game. Ryan Tannehill, he he was looked at with the skill. He had the skill. That's why he was taken by Miami so high and stuff. And that's why he was supposed to be the franchise quarterback in Miami. And he ended up not working out. So my thing is, I think the talent was there. The situation was bad. That's not to say, I'm not saying that Arthur Smith had no impact. I just think that there was more talent there. He was, he's a good quarterback. He was just in a really bad situation. And he's just, just because a lot of the stuff that, that, that Ryan Tannehill does, they're intangibles. You can't touch that. You can't teach that. His accuracy, his decision-making, a lot of that stuff that makes him such a good quarterback cannot be influenced by a guy like Arthur Smith. That is inside the mind of, of a quarterback. The turnaround that has been done with Josh Allen, he had to adjust his how he throws a football. Like, there's a lot of stuff. There was a lot of tangible things that you could touch and that you could fix on Josh Allen. He always ran the ball and took the big hit this year. He didn't run to take the big hit anymore. He tried to get out of bounds. He tried to make the smart decisions. So they, I just see less, more tangible stuff that could be fixed in Josh Allen, more, less of those intangibles in Ryan Tannehill. And I thought, I think that a lot for Ryan Tannehill is inside the mind of the quarterback and the skill that he already had that was just in a bad situation. Uh, okay, I guess I get that. I mean, I, I think they're kind of, again, I think Dable's going to be a better coach than Smith, but I think Smith does deserve credit for, for what he, I, I still do think Smith deserves credit for what he did with Tannehill. Uh, for me, Urban Meyer was the surprising one because he left the college game, was it two years ago, I think, um, mm -hmm. amid health reasons. And the NFL game, and Jimmy Johnson was asked this question yesterday on Fox Pre Game Show, the difference between, um, 
or is there a difference between coaching co- coaching in the college game and the NFL game? And he said there is a world of difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and the big thing is you're coaching guys that are being paid right now compared to not paid, quote unquote, because we do know some college guys got get, got paid, and especially at Ohio State. But um, so it, it, it's going to be different. And he doesn't get his granted. You know, you don't you can't go out there and recruit a bunch of five stars to come to your school, have a hundred man. 120 man roster and and just keep rolling them out there like he did at Ohio State and Florida. Um, but he does have the number one pick, Trevor Lawrence, and he has 70 million dollars in cap cap room this year. They already like they they have players. They just uh, their scheme wasn't good enough, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They really uh, C.J. Henderson and Sidney Jones at the corner position. Um, they got uh, a good front line. Uh, Josh Allen, as I think Josh Allen's on their team. Um, they have Mac uh, at the linebacker. Like they do have a good defense, so it'll be interesting to see um, who he brings in, what type of defense they want to run. Um, and offensively, if if you hit on Trevor, if Trevor Lawrence is who we think he is, they got the running back, um, the, the the undrafted running back who had over a thousand yards. This James year. Robinson. Yeah, James Robinson. Like they had, you put an offensive line together, he has a chance to turn that around quick. And in that AFC South, which is, it's not bad. Like, it's not great, and it's not really bad. It's kind of average. Um, so, like, like you, there's turmoil in Houston. Indianapolis might have a new quarterback. Um, I know their coach really well. And and Tennessee are, are the, the reigning division winners. So, they have a chance to turn it around and become a, a – become a, 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 have a chance, excuse me, to win that division next year if they make the right moves. Yeah, they It'll definitely have a – I think they have a chance to do what Miami did. Miami got way yeah. ahead in the rebuild. People were like, oh, they overspent on people. But the thing was you could spend. They could spend. They could say, oh, you're getting $7 million from this team. We'll give you $9 million. They were able to draw those people in and make the rebuild accelerate, and they still have a ton of draft picks and a ton of stuff that mm-hmm. they can continue to do. Exactly. So I, I, I'm, in, I'm intrigued by, by that. Um, and we'll, we'll see what happens with the Texans and obviously the Eagles. All right. So let's move to who this is what I want. I want, if you can name three, I want who you think is going to be the head coach and you're the dark horse who, who, is, who, who could, could and should be the head coach and somebody you do not that, that they've said that they're going to interview who you do not want to be the head coach. I think that I'll start with that first one. I think the first one is so easy. Not Mike Kafka. Please, not Mike Kafka. Mike <laughs> Kafka is the yes man that we don't want to see in Philadelphia, that we don't want to see the resurrection of a Doug Peterson 2.0 yes man until it until Doug Peterson got the set of balls to stand up for himself and say, this is bogus, this situation is stupid. Um, so Mike Kafka is obviously the 100%. Everybody's crying for it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, you have a list. Like you look at the list of people you're hiring: Staley, Moore, Brady, not really Todd Bowles, Eric Bieniemy, Josh McDaniels. You look. You talked there. You thought about hiring Brian Dayball. The names you say, and then you look at Mike Kafka. It's like, don't do this to us, please. Like you got Philly fans crying. You're gonna lose the respect of, of half the fan base instantly with the announcement of that hiring. Um, for me. And underdog, I think I'd rather see this guy as a defensive coordinator first, but he was one of Bill Belichick's very 
well-trusted defensive assistants is Gerard Mayo. I think he would be an interesting hire. I think he's a dark, dark horse. But like I said, I'd like to see him get in their coordinator role before you push him into their head coaching role. But that's not to say learning under Bill and Steve Belichick, he's not an extremely intelligent guy, worth the look, worth the interview. Um, so Gerard Mayo would be an interesting one. But like I said, I'd rather see us pull him for a defensive coordinator position first. Uh, than just pulling him from an inside linebackers coach, but like like uh, I did read, he was one of two the two biggest defensive assistants. So it was probably him and Steve Belichick who were the main voices in the defensive room. Um, and then who do I want to see hired? Um, I think it goes with I actually never thought of it. And you know what? I love Eric Bieniemy, but I do like you think about what has pushed, turned people off the last two, three years. Why has he not gotten the job? My guy that I want to see, and I think that the defense needs a massive turnaround. And like you, you could be changing a whole scheme. Like this is a whole change going on. I, I kind of want to see Brandon Staley from the Rams. When that name popped up, I was like, man, that would be a really interesting one. And I know that you don't it's think, a defensive-minded yeah, head against, coach. You don't, you don't think the game against Green Bay was a bad audition? For if you were I mean, be it could in. be a bad audition by me. You look at 30, dude. My, it was 30 degrees. It was, you know, snow. And this is Lambeau Field we're talking. Anyone going into Lambeau, that was the one thing people didn't want, was for the NFC to go through Lambeau Field because Lambeau Field with 12,000 fans in 30 degree weather, you might as well have 60,000 fans. So, I mean, I, listen, I get it. I, I get it. That it wasn't the greatest audition, but it's not about the audition in game, I don't think, as much as how you interview and what you can bring to the game. And his audition was the whole regular season. His team was top five across the board on the defensive side of the ball. If there's anyone who could turn a de- defense around within a season with whatever you have thrown at, with whatever pieces you have, I think it's a guy like Brandon Staley. Um, so I would like to see defense, Brandon Staley, so. but it's really a toss-up between Brandon Staley and Eric Bieniemy for me. Okay. So I'm going to start with the guy I don't want to get it, and that's Kellen Moore. Um, look, I know he's the hot name, and, and he has a head coaching future, but Next Sean McVay, maybe. It never works out when we bring somebody from Dallas to Philly. And I have, like, and he has a bunch of weapons, and he doesn't, like, they struggled against the Giants. They struggled against us the first game. They struggled against Washington. Like, they don't really, he doesn't seem to make adjustments on the fly. And, and I don't know if, 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 if he is the one calling the offense, which I think right now he is, which I don't know how long that'll last, even though they gave him a, a contract extension until McCarthy takes over calling the offense i'm just not that impressed so i do not want kellen moore to be the offense to be the uh, head coach my dark horse i'm going to go with and and i know we talked about this guy and right now he said it but chip also said the first time that he didn't want the job and he took it but i'm gonna go with lincoln riley i would love to see what lincoln riley can do um with carson or jalen at the nfl level um and obviously you put a strong staff around you especially on the defensive side um not like a billy davis like chip did um, but get somebody with a strong mind to to run your defense a lovey smith type um a maybe a wade phillips even though wade phillips runs a three four and i'm not a big fan of the three four but get somebody that with a strong personality to run the defense that, that'll play a physical aggressive way um keep Deuce, maybe even keep Deuce Staley as your offensive coordinator 
And while Lincoln Riley will call the plays, Deuce will have a lot of say in what um, can be done on the offensive side of the ball. I would not. I don't want Deuce to go. Like the team loves Deuce. Deuce is a, a guy that commands respect and, and and a leader of men, as they say. Um, mm-hmm. I would, would not want to see Deuce on another staff. So whoever gets hired as the head coach needs to keep Deuce Staley, make him the offensive coordinator. Um, and but, so Lincoln Riley is my my dark horse, and who I want to get the job. I got two, and they were teammates: Eric Bieniemy or Deuce Staley. I want one of them two to get the job. Um, I, I, and again, I, I I do have my I am skeptical about why Bieniemy hasn't ha- landed a job yet. Um, and and granted, wherever he goes, he's not going to have Patrick Mahomes in that NASCAR offense that they have in, in Kansas City. But he had to have learned something from uh, from Andy Reid. And and again, you could keep Deuce Staley on the coaching staff if he were to get it, or Deuce Staley um, if he becomes head coach. I think that automatically the team is going to be fine with that choice. Uh, Brandon Graham, Deshaun Jackson, um, a bunch of people, Lane Johnson, a bunch of people out there are putting it out. They're putting it out in the universe that they want Deuce Staley to become the head coach. Um, so I th- I think you can't go wrong if you were to hire him. So. I don't know. Hundred percent. The the only reason I said didn't put Deuce Staley in any of those those bubbles we were talking about is just for the sheer fact that I think we need external influence. I think I, we need someone I, to come yeah. from without, from outside, get in and and keep him as your OC. He definitely deserves well, to be an offensive so, coordinator. That go. I can we concur so, on that point. So my thing is Deuce can get the head coaching spot, but Deuce doesn't need to call the offense. You can get a, a, an external guy to be your offensive coordinator deuce is going to be different from from doug in terms of he's going to oversee the entire operation while doug, like doug was the head coach but he oversaw the offense jim schwartz oversaw the defense deuce is going to be able to walk to the defensive side of the locker room the offensive side of the locker room and people aren't going to put their head down snicker no they're going to when he's standing in front of them they're going to listen and if they don't he's going to get he's going to get in that ass and he he's gonna you know in practice or whatever they're gonna be he's gonna force them to listen to him and I think that's why he could be the head coach and you still bring in an external guy to run the offense to run the defense and that's where the changes can be. Deuce will be your quote unquote yes man, but I also think Deuce will have respect because of what he he's done in the league, Super Bowl champion as a player, Super Bowl champion as a coach, what he did at the Eagles, um, you know. As a running back, I think that that he'll have that command and that respect of the locker room and even the front office. Yeah, I I I completely agree. I mean, he's got respect. He, I don't. You say he would be a yes man, but I think at some point the guy would probably go rogue. I don't think he'd be a yes man forever. Similar to Doug Peterson, eventually you realize the game, you realize the power structure, you realize the situation you're in, and you pull the Doug Peterson thing that that happened. So I'd be interested, but I think no matter what, Deuce Staley has to stay. But Deuce Staley has to finally get the promotion he rightfully deserves because he's you can you know teams are looking at him. You know the teams are gonna come and knock and if, if we don't put him in the position he Are wants they to though? Be in. Because he are they though? Because he's also had the chance over the last couple of years to become an offensive coordinator elsewhere. I Nobody agree. has really hired him. And yeah, he got the he got the bump as the as the uh, assistant head coach. Um but still I, I don't even know if that job title means anything. Um but again, regardless of what happens, Deuce has to stay in the organization. 
I did no see, question about it. And and before we wrap this up, I did see a report that just came out a couple hours ago that says that don't be surprised if the Eagles hire a head coach by next week, which would rule out a guy like Eric Bieniemy if this is true. Not certain of the the truth or the validity to it, but just throwing it out there that they must be impressed with at least one of the candidates that they've already talked to. And they have McDaniels today and they've Staley at some point this week. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, we'll see. Uh, we'll find out when and when the Eagles do hire somebody. We'll definitely we'll be out with another uh, episode and given our uh, two cents on how we feel about the hiring. As always, before we wrap up, you can follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Uh, Connor did a uh, does a great job during the week uh, and even when, well, during the season, during game day of uh, keeping our Twitter active. Uh, you can follow Quan- Connor, excuse me, on Twitter at Connor10. That's Connor T E N. If you have any fantasy football advice uh, or uh, questions during the, during the fantasy football season, he's good to go to. I won my championship and almost lost because I did ask him. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I still won my championship. I can't believe I took Jonathan Taylor out. That was on me. I'm so I'm so mad about that. Um, and he scored two touchdowns against Pittsburgh Week 16. But no, Connor Connor was a big help in helping me win my fantasy championship. And you can follow me on Twitter at LJHorrell54. That's LJHorrell54. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour, the first of many offseason episodes that we will have. The next one we have, the Philadelphia Eagles will have a new head coach. For Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. <laughs>